another episode ready to go They're gonna talk about the good and the trash and anything in between Cherishing make-believe, get ready for Halloween, it's the horror show I know you miss those guys, tune in and find out what's on their list tonight They butcher and dissect, take apart and mutilate Listen to your two favorite brainiacs communicate It's the horror show Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Horror Show. Show it dissects, mutilates, dismembers, and butchers all of your favorite and not so favorite horror movies and other horror related events. I'm Sean. I'm Joe. You're, so I, you're, you're tickling yourself. I, I, I am. So I, uh, I have a feeling this is going to be a good episode. I, I, I'm excited to talk about it. Uh, I think you are too. We're doing Black Christmas 1974. Hey, released on this day in 1974. Is that the, true? The the day this drops. Yeah, the 20th. Okay. So, as usual, the horror show just randomly picks movies and it falls on fucking anniversary dates. I don't understand it. How many it. times have we done that? <laughs> like, it's insane. December 20th, 1974 was its United States release or originally. Um, but anyway, uh, so uh, I think it's going to be exciting because there's a lot of information. There's a lot of stuff. I watched a behind the scenes, like, little documentary on it. And I pulled a clip from it that I'm going to play a little bit later, but I, I had pulled it up, I guess, by accident. So <laughs> I I just like oh. looked over at my other screen because the, the clip is up, but it's it's at this. <laughs> like, I just like I just like while I was doing the intro, I just turned and saw that and was like, what the fuck? What the fuck am I looking at? And by the way, that clip is going to be amazing. And I do think it translates to audio. So we will, um, you'll get to hear a little bit from that clip, which I think is like one of the funniest fucking things I've ever heard. Um, Black Christmas, 1974. Uh, which dude, when, were you watching this? Were you like, we did an episode on this? So I could have sworn. I did too. Episode on this. I don't know. I know we did the remake, right? Mm-hmm. But the 2006 remake. I don't know if I watched it beforehand so we could talk about it during that episode, but I, I felt like, cause I've seen this hundreds of times, but I felt like I like really paid attention to take notes the last time I watched Dude, it. Dude, I agree. I, I was reading shit and I was like, why would I know this? Right? Like I was reading facts <laughs> from the movie yeah. and I was yeah. like, I already know this. And then I was like, why the fuck would I know this if we didn't do it for the fucking show? And dude, I I, tri- I triple checked. I went through because I have actually literally all of the notes that I've ever taken for any every movie. Um, right, I have it all saved on um, a Google Doc. Yeah, so I can search it, and I searched fucking everything. I searched even like random words from like parts of the movie that I was like, like, like the, the, there's a there's a whole discussion about abortion in this. So I was like. I don't write that very often in my notes. I, I'm going to search that fucking word through all my notes and see if it's in there. Because I would have had to have writ- written that. Nothing. Nothing. Yeah, dude. I, I, it was, it's actually like almost eerie because I, I swear. And this isn't the only movie this has happened to recently. But I swear. I, I could have sworn I watched this for the show. Because I know. There's, like a, there's, a, there's like a different method of watching movies when we do it for the right. show as opposed to just doing it for my leisure. And I had that feeling for this. So surprised that we haven't done this yet. It, it doesn't make sense. I, the only thing I was like, the one thing I was thinking too was like, oh, there's been a bunch. I wouldn't say a ton, but like there's there's always been a, there's been a bunch of movies. There's been a bunch of episodes that we like recorded and then lost in the early days. And I was like, 
I wonder if we've ever done this and it just like we ended up like losing the recording and then just fucking canceled the fucking episode or whatever. Like, I don't know. Like, uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's very odd. Cause I, dude, so many fucking scenes in this. I was just like, we have talked about this. I have talked about fucking John fucking Sexton in this fucking movie. Is that his Sexton. Name? Sexton. Saxon. Saxon. Sexton. Uh, John Saxon. All right. So, Directed by Bob Clark, who is a fucking yeah. Canadian legend. Ozzy, you can call him a Christmas legend, too, because he has this and he has a Christmas story. Which is nuts. I can't loved, I know. Porky's children shouldn't play with dead things. I mean, I mean, he's... Baby Geniuses baby. 1 and 2. You had to bring it up. Uh, and that, that uh, Stallone movie, right? Uh, Rhinestone. Yeah, yeah. But like, hey, dude, fucking who gives a shit, man? He was like doing work, right? Like, I mean, baby geniuses, you probably like, you know, your careers were probably wrapping up after that. But like, especially when you take two, right? Like launch the franchise. Sure. Go for it. Right. Robert Rodriguez did spy kids. Fuck it. Like I'll do baby geniuses. It'll be great. But once you take on the sequel, you're fucked. You're absolutely fucked. Yeah, yeah. Well, aside from those, uh, Hall of Famer, right? Absolutely, Hall of Famer, dude. I mean, even with those, a fucking Hall of Famer. We, everyone knows Baby Geniuses. You bring up Baby Geniuses, people laugh. You know, it's true. It's true. <laughs> it's a thing. He, I mean, he he uh, he tragically passed in a, a car accident with his twenty-one-year-old son. Did he really? He did. I didn't even fucking read that. Oh my god, that's fucking terrible. Was it recently? Um. I'll pull it up. Uh, Maybe within 2007. The last 10 years. Yeah, 2007. Fuck, that's terrible. That is absolutely awesome. Or, oh, dude. Awesome. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Damn. I that's did not mean to fucking say that. <laughs> I, didn't, I meant to say awful. That's awful. I know, this, this slip of the nobody nobody that, thinks he meant that. That is the craziest slip of the tongue, though. That is absolutely awesome. <laughs> uh,. R.I.P. Bob. Uh, but a true fucking Canadian fucking legend, man. Like, uh, and and a, a bunch of these people, a bunch of these actors, also somewhat Canadian legends in their own rights. A lot of. I was talking to somebody about this today, about this movie specifically, and I was just like, you know, like people will be like, "This is such a good fucking movie." Like current movies that aren't that fucking good, right? Like. Let's just say Terrifier 2, for instance. Um, it's fine. My, my my only point is, like, like this was a low-budget fucking movie. It was a movie people passed on making, you know? And they still just managed to, like, figure out a way to get fucking working actors to actually participate and act in a film, right? Like, they young up and comers that they could bring on. You know what I mean? Like uh the the yeah. the the woman that plays Jess, um Olivia Hussey. Olivia Hussey had like just come off of Romeo and Juliet. She's young, probably didn't cost a ton to bring her on, but they were like she's an actress. Let's fucking grab her while she's fucking available. <laughs> like uh and, and you know, I Thinking about that and this cast that they have, because it's it's insane, right? You have John Saxon, Margot Kidder, Olivia Hussey, 
Uh, Lynn Griffin goes on to be fucking great also. And Keir, yeah. the guy uh, that plays Peter. Keir DeLeo, I, he, he was Dave in 2001 Space Odyssey. Like These guys, like... He was, like, he was the star in a Kubrick film, and they got him to come on for this. You know? It's... It's cool, man. And I think it's maybe a testament to like when a script is good. Like, although I don't know if they even got to read the script because I had heard that some people like didn't even know what their fucking parts were in the fucking movie. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, just just to backtrack real quick, this movie, I, and I think you're going to say the same thing. Like, I, I think it's legitimately one of the best movies, period, ever made. Uh, I think it's like a masterclass in filmmaking. I think the direction... I think the acting, the script, like it has it all. It has everything you could possibly want. It has like suspense. Yeah. Like, it's genuinely creepy at time. It has humor as like heartache that Claire's father is one of the most like heart punching characters ever. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about it in detail, but this girl goes missing and he's just supposed to pick his daughter up from, from like <laughs> college for winter break. And, Usually in horror movies, you know, you're like rooting for gore and deaths and kills and you're doing that in here. Cause you're like, Oh man, this is so fun. Like there, there's a killer. And then this fucking guy's face just pops up and you're just like, Holy shit. Like this guy's, his daughter was murdered and he's just sitting here in the house that she's dead in. Yeah. Like hoping to find her alive and it just like punches you back to reality. Yeah. I, I love everything about this movie dude. and and everything about it. And going, going back to the script, John Saxon, they had some guy, um, Edmund O'Brien, he, he was in a, a bunch of Westerns. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was supposed to play uh, Lieutenant Kenny. And he, I guess he got off the plane and he needed a wheelchair, like immediately upon landing. Mm-hmm. And like, he couldn't, did you, did you see those, those facts? You're like, yeah. So I, I, I have a little bit more detail, but you keep going. He, um, he was, he's on a wheelchair when he came off and like, he, they said it took him 45 minutes to put on his coat when he landed, which I'm not making fun of him for doing that, but if you're watching somebody struggle for 45 minutes putting on a coat, like may- maybe intervene. 45 minutes is a long fucking time. Just help him put. I see what you're that, that was like yeah, the most right. absurd thing I've ever fucking right, right. watching someone. Everyone fit. just standing that's, that's watching, me. just standing, just timing him, looking at your watch every five minutes. He's still really struggling. <laughs> fucking help the guy. 45 minutes, but then they took him out to dinner, and uh, he thought he was in his hotel room, and it ended up he he was having the early symptoms of Alzheimer's. So they called John Saxon yep. and they're like, Hey, we're filming in 48 hours. And like the first scene is the scene with the, uh, the search mob that he's organizing. Like, so you have to come here, fly to Toronto and like, just start filming immediately. Like you're in the first scene. Saxon. Yeah. And I think Saxon kills his role in this. I think he's, Oh, great. he's fucking so do great, that. dude. 48 hours notice, not even like knowing anything about this and just flying up there and filming. Absolutely fucking great. Yeah. So Edmund O'Brien. And by the way, He's more than just like old westerns, man. This guy has an Academy Award for um, Barefoot Contessa, Best Supporting Actor. So like he was like legit. Also, so they they thought it was a score getting him. Like the, I watched an interview with the producer and Bob Clark, and they were like, "Dude, we, they were like, we got Edmund O'Brien, like slam dunk." And then he showed up, like you said, and they were like, "We knew immediately, like something was way off, like way way off," and. Very clear, clearly Alzheimer's, which is what he dies of, like, less than 10 years after this. Um, but it, it like, it, it's it's actually, like, fucked. Like, he, they could not, they, they brought him there and they were like, let's just see. Maybe he just, like, needs a fucking nap and, like, 
you know, he's old regardless. I mean, I guess he wasn't even that old. He died at like 69 or something like that, but probably not looking great. And so they were like, let's just give him like time to sleep it off or something. And then it was the same thing the next day. And they're like, dude, all these scenes are in like five to 10 degree weather. Like we cannot put this yeah. fucking guy out there. <laughs> like what the fuck are we Honestly, doing? Thank God. Cause we've covered other movies where like roll this guy out here. And yes. Fucking make him say the lines. <laughs> yes, right? yes. And another fun fact, the producer and Bob Clark, I guess both called his agent and were like, you're a fucking piece of shit. Like not cause you fucked us, but because like, what are you doing to this fucking guy? Like, you can't do this to this fucking dude. Like, you knew what we were doing. Like, it's fucking Canada. Like, in the winter. Like, it's yeah. fucking zero degrees out. What, what, what? Why are you sending this guy out? Like, I guess they chewed yeah. him the fuck out, and then they ended up getting John Saxon. Other weird thing, Edmund O'Brien's kid is the voice of Crash Bandicoot. <laughs> is he really? Yeah. That is, that is a weird connection. <laughs> that is a fucking bizarre. I did not read that. I read that, like, it was actually, like, really uh, heartwarming or heartbreaking. Well, actually, both at the same time. His son wheeled him in a wheelchair to the airport. Yeah. It was just like, this is, like, your last hurrah. Like, you got this. You, you can do this. Like, this will be your last movie. But, like, I know you can get through this. And apparently, um, Edmund sobbed when, when Bob was like, we can't. Like in good faith, let you go through. Yes, yeah, Bob and was like, "I want, I want to do this." Bob cries in the fucking movie, retelling that. Like he's like, and he fe- he felt bad not letting him get that like last movie, but he ended up did he did get a last movie because there was probably some soulless piece of shit that just fucking <laughs> rolled them rolled them out and made him fucking say his fucking lines or whatever. Um, but yeah, like it, it was like really sad, and like the family was like, "Yeah, no, that had been a thing for a while." Um, so that was that, uh, and Betty, Betty Davis, uh, was also offered the yeah. role of Mrs. Mack in this. And what's her name? Oh, uh, the R- Gilda Radner. Gilda Radner was supposed to be Phyllis and they yeah. ended up getting, uh, Andrea Martin who who's in SCTV where Rick Moranis and John Candy and Eugene Levy and all them came from. Right. And then Lynn will go on to strange brew, maybe from meeting her here like you know what i mean yeah yeah so it's it's a it is a cool cast they're fucking they're they're not slouches no at the time they might have been like no names but they're all like legit up and comers and as we all know now like deservingly so and one thing you had just mentioned uh with this movie and why you liked it is like this like realness of like especially uh claire's dad right there's like it's this this movie's actually really fucking grounded. Right? It's not so over the top. Um and Bob Clark during the writing process, they they had a script, they hired on a writer to help rewrite it, and then Bob had like some input on it. And Bob was like uh he was like high school and college kids aren't fucking stupid. Like they're not fu- like let them be astute. Like you have to portray them as that. You can't just have them fucking running around, like acting like fucking idiots. Cause they're not that dumb. Like they're not, you know, they're not always thinking with their heads on, but they're not fucking dumb. Like they're not oblivious to yeah. the world around them. And you can see that in a ton of scenes in this, including fucking Claire going into that closet in the, in the first kill scene. She knows somebody's fucking in there. It's not like, why is the cat making all that noise? She's like, there's a fucking person in there. Like, yes. She's like, who the fuck is in there? And it's, it's cool. It's cool as fuck. And he, he captures all like the different personality types of college students. Cause 
Margot Kidder's character, Barb, is like the typical party animal who who is not responsible. Like she's actually a mess. Right. The way that she talks <laughs> to Claire's dad is honestly appalling. Like it offends me hearing her say this to this guy who just wants to know if his daughter is alive or not. Um, but then you have like Olivia who has her head on, and like Phyllis is like in between. Yeah, she you know they all want to find Claire, and um, it's just a great assembly of characters. Yeah. Sorry, I had to fix my fucking hair. It looked fucking insane. Um, yeah, no, I, I liked the characters also. Like you did, you had like the responsible one. You had the, you had, it was good. It was a good mix, right? He like hasn't, like he writes in, or the screenwriter, or both of them, whoever, figured out a way to like explain everything. Because there's a scene, I mean, there's so many subplots that actually work. So many times we talk about movies that just cram in 50 subplots and you're like why why, why is this happening 90 minutes somehow the, all the subplots work like there's a little girl that's murdered there's like you know the missing college student mm-hmm. the father etc cetera, etc cetera. um he explains everything off and there's times like i was like wait why are there kids caroling when there is you know a little girl that's been murdered because there's a whole scene of care like yeah it's a great scene because a murder happens like juxtaposed with kids caroling outside mm-hmm. Um, and I, I was like, that's the only thing that's pissing me off right now. I was like, why would kids be out caroling when kids are being murdered? And then as soon as I say that, somebody runs up and is like, get those kids inside in the car right now. Like, somebody's been murdered. Yeah. Like, Got to hurry up and get them inside. I'm like, fuck. He explained it. Like, there's, there's nothing to pick point, like nitpick at. No, he, he tied up all of his loose ends. He, he, they knew what they were doing. It's a good fucking story. It's based on, um, the urban legend, the babysitter and the man upstairs, yes. which is shares the same plot with probably 8 million other movies like the sitter when and a stranger when just stranger calls all the same kind of same kind of plot. You know, the calls come in from inside the house. Um, so that that's yeah. spoiler, uh, spoiler, spoiler, spoiler alert. <laughs> 1974. Um, Margot Kidder uh, remembered shooting the film as being fun. I really bonded with Andrea Martin filming in Toronto and Ontario. Olivia Hussey was a bit of an odd one. Now, talking psychics, dude, she was, she was like, she took this role, dude. She's coming off hot of this Romeo and Juliet film, Romeo and Juliet film, coming off hot. She, I don't think her agent wanted her to do this movie. And, but she went to a psychic who was like, you're going to film a movie in Canada and it's going to blow the fuck up. And this Double was the movie that came in. Fuck. <laughs> and then that's the other part where she, yeah, uh, uh, Margot Kidder revealed that she was obsessed with the idea of falling in love with Paul McCartney. And that, that came from her fucking psychic. She was like, we were all a little hard on her for that, which fair, fucking fair. <laughs> Also, arrest the psychic. Like, somebody should have fucking... Dude, <laughs> what Paul McCartney should have filed a lawsuit. Dude, going around telling people, like, you're going to fall in love with... What are you doing? What, are you, what the fuck are you doing? Do you know John Saxton starred... Not Saxon. Saxon. There's Saxon. no T in it. Uh, he starred in the first ever Giallo film. Oh, um, what was what the name of it? I was just looking at it. Uh, it is called my shit. Just like fucking got all fucked up. Uh, uh, the girl who knew too much, Mario Brava, nineteen sixty three. It's interesting that there's like a definite, a defined movie that started it. I think that's weird. 
That is interesting because, uh, and it kind of ties into this because people always argue about what is the first slasher film. Was it mm-hmm. Halloween? Was it this? Would you, could you count Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which came out the same year as this? Which, by the way, what a fucking year! Texas I Chainsaw did, Massacre, nuts. and then this, like, and and I know that this wasn't like a critical commercial success, but anyone with a brain that saw this and liked horror was like, I need to emulate this. And and there's like a lot of uh, reports or alleged like anecdotes about how, how much John Carpenter liked this and how he was like, I'm making Halloween as like an unofficial sequel to black Christmas, which I mean, it's not, you know, it's not, <laughs> but, it's not, but I mean, I could see where he's like, I mean, doing like the holiday thing. That's like actually kind of interesting when you think about it yeah. in, that, in that sense. That's actually no, kind of sure. That's interesting. Well, but the point I was, I was trying to make about um, how there's a definite start to Giallo films. Uh, people always argue about slasher, and it's like, you know, is it Halloween? Is it this? Is it Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Could you count Psycho? So there's never like a clear starting point for it. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. Uh, the 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 start of Giallo is just. I mean, the start of anything where you can like pinpoint it is kind of weird because, like, again, like you feel like there would be like some gradient leading up to that you know like yeah just having one movie be decided um billy uh is is that his name the killer's name yeah billy 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 has the creepiest fucking voice in movies it's unsettling in it's two different people doing it it's two different bob and uh someone else it's five people oh okay it is five people. And it's so funny, dude, because like there's interviews in this behind the scenes where like, I guess a lot of people were like, there's even more people involved in like the Billy character than we know. And they like accused, not accused, but like people would say like the guy who played Peter did some of it. And that guy's in the interview and he's like, I never did the eye thing. I never did any of the physical stuff. He's like, but I think they might've recorded me. For Billy. And he's like, I don't know, though, which is bizarre, right? Like, that that's crazy. But, like, maybe they, like, recorded at a table read or something. Who the fuck knows, right? But he's like, I, he's I mean, like, I feel like. genius. I, dude, it's, it's crazy. They just recorded, like, all this different shit. And, like, he's like, I think they might have recorded me for the Billy, for some of the Billy. Just record- <laughs> I just picture him being recorded, being like, pig cut right right (laughs) that's just how he talks to himself (laughs) in his room it's when he's like trying to fucking like i'm trying to think of something difficult that your dad would get mad about uh fucking got a knot in his shoe lace or something (laughs) (laughs) suck my fat cock (laughs) that's so funny um yeah, and and set in the winter, obviously for Christmas, so you had to have some snow on the ground, right? Uh, there was no snow. Uh, they were very disappointed. They ended up using this foam from the fire department. Like they didn't even use fake snow; they used f- foam from the fire department, which does not sound safe. That does. What does that mean? Foam from the fire department? Like, what are you fucking saying? And then the guy, the guy that was doing the special effects was in the documentary and he's like, yeah, I went by that house like after filming uh, the spring after. And he's like, fucking lawn was the greenest lawn I've ever seen in my life. So he's like, I think that was like good fertilizer. No, dude, it's fucking radioactive. What do you, 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 would you spray that shit with? You fucking maniac. 
Oh my goodness. And also, this movie had a different title, which I was never aware of for its release in the uh, United States. Was it the, uh, the, well, I know that they, they're releasing it on TV as something. Um, yes. Yes. Stranger in the House? Is that what it no, was? Stranger no, no. It was Silent Night, Evil Night. And when it, oh, okay. when it dropped, December 20th, 1974, when it dropped in theaters, that was its fucking title. And really? That, yeah. Because they thought Black Christmas would confuse people and they would think it's a black exploitation film. Okay. Which I was originally like, that's hard to believe, but maybe I don't know what movies were released in 1974, but like, you know, there was movies like Blackula. So like they might've been like somewhat right. in being like, they might think this is a black exploitation film. Not that it would matter though, but it's just, it's just fucking odd. And then I don't know what made them change it, but they stopped and then they went back to black Christmas. Interesting. No, I didn't know about that one. I knew about uh, when they did a stranger in the house. Cause it was supposed to be NBC's Saturday night at the movies. Yeah. Uh, but right before it aired, old Ted Bundy decided to fuck things up by going into a sorority house and pretty much doing the same thing that the killer does in this movie. Isn't that fucking not, nuts? Not Isn't that fucking crazy? Yeah, the mayor, the governor was like, this shit happened. Dude's still on the loose. We don't know who the fuck it is. We can't have this movie air. So they didn't air it in like Florida and Alabama. Um and then, you know, a few years later, it's uh it's old Ted. <laughs> old Teddy did this. Teddy boy. Um yeah, and they, they changed the ending to this too for the uh like the American release. I think the Canadian release had actually had a different ending in this. Um I know that the producers really so again, spoilers if you haven't seen it yet, which why are you listening if you haven't? But, <laughs> uh it's an ambiguous ending, right? Yes. The, and also I, I do want to say uh, the character of Peter is the greatest red herring of all time mm-hmm. because he has every Dude. motivation to lose his fucking mind, right? He he is under a lot of stress. Things are going wrong for him. He's been delivered news on like a very important day for his piano recital. And he fucks up the piano recital, and he's also nuts, right? He's yeah. insane. Like, watch him smashing his piano. It's unhinged. <laughs> uh, he's the greatest red herring of all time. I know that there's people out there, like some some people were messaging me today, like I hate the ending of this. I think it's so much more terrifying. Yeah, to have just a random psychopath with no rhyme or reason just living in your attic, as opposed to somebody that you know. Like, and how many times does this you know fucking happen? Like <laughs> this happens, right? Like they're like, "Well, thank yeah. God that guy's fucking dead," and then it's not that fucking guy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> somebody. I mean, fuck- even going back to Ted Bundy, that's why serial killers like this are on the loose so often because, you know, they're like, "Oh well, we, we need to get somebody. Like we need to say that we caught them." Yeah. So people will go back out and spend and like carry on with their lives. And then they don't have him. They're still out there doing the same fucking shit. You didn't solve anything. You didn't do shit. Peter, Peter probably would have murdered Olivia Hussey's character. I, yeah, I mean, I think agree. that was pretty much inevitable. I agree yeah. with you actually completely. I never thought about that, but yes, I actually think you're a hundred percent right. He might've been actually trying to murder her in that moment. In that scene, he was like, he's, he was going to kill he her. Outside? Let's say it. That, that, I think yes. that's right. I think that's right. He was going to kill her right there. Yeah, dude. I mean, he was unhit. He was hiding in the woods. Like, Bro. He, he had murder on his mind. And why is he not? Dude, 
he knocks on the glass at the end to be like, what are you doing down there? And before she can answer, like if I, if, if I came home and all of my doors were locked and I looked down my, my basement door and Tina's down here, I'm going to be like, I'm not, I'm not going to kick my own window down and just climb in. Like that's psychotic. She's not in danger. She doesn't look like she's in danger at the moment. She's down in the basement. Maybe she didn't hear you knocking what and you crawling doing? in being like, honey, what's wrong? After, after being like, you're going you're to regret this decision. The the last, thing last. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. So and all I have to say, uh, his death is, is not, uh, the saddest thing. No, no. He was definitely and I, I really like, I really like the ending. I don't know. I thought it was kind of cool. I love the ending. I love like it's like terrifying. what else would you want? You want him to catch the guy? Like what the fuck are we talking about? Get him arrested? Pull an old Michael Myers? This makes way more sense than Michael Myers getting fucking arrested at the end of every fucking movie. Arresting the fucking boogeyman. What are we talking about? Leave let this guy live in the walls. It's great. I mean that. I mean that is, that is how the first Halloween ends. They don't catch Michael. Yeah, that's true. He disappears. Yeah. But every other one, they just starts back up at the mental institution. Like, it's well, fucking insane. Let, let them I, just which, which, run. Let them on the run. That is what would happen if they made 17 Black Christmas movies. Just Billy making phone calls. Which, how did this not get the fucking sequel touch? Why, what happened? Yeah, it, it didn't do well. It wasn't a critical success. Plus, I, I mean, at that point, 74, like Godfather 2 was the sequel, right? Sequels weren't really a thing. Like That's true. That's true. Um, it was the third highest grossing Canadian film of all time. Two million dollars. <laughs> uh, good old Canada. Love them. Love them to pieces. <laughs> well, I mean, that's that's the other thing. Like, a whole two million. I, I was seeing people being like, "This is a staple in Canadian horror." Yeah, I, I know it is because I can't name another Canadian horror film. No disrespect to Canada. I just I can't. Prom night, I think, was one. I mean, I'm sh- yeah, but, but like, it's not like. That's it. Like the brood, right? I, of course. Brood, I, well, I mean, yeah, your point is people. anything made in Canada is going to be a staple of Canadian horror because right, they're not turning it's, it's 18 not like out a huge of gear. Market. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. I, I know. It's fucking. Like my bloody Valentine, Ginger Snaps, you, you know, I know those are made in Canada, but like who calls them Canadian horror? Yeah. Yeah. I know. Um, Black Christmas did gross 4 million internationally, um, budget of 620,000. UK. The UK was so weird with censorship for that period. Like, I, I still don't understand it totally, but they removed the word cunt as well as several other crude sexual references during the first obscene phone call. You mean the entire first phone call? The entire mean- phone call? The most obscene. <laughs> <laughs> Even listening now in 2022 and having seen Upsetting. this movie, like I've seen this movie probably like 30 times, right? Hearing that first phone call, of- holy shit. <laughs> that is. That is the most obscene phone call I've ever heard. And the fact that they're all just like congregating around the phone listening. Yeah. What? Why? <laughs> Why are you? I, I actually don't know what the right. I don't know what the right response is, but well, I think the fact right, that it's been happening multiple times. Yeah. I think the right response is Claire. Who's like, Hey, you do know there's a fucking dude out like fucking raping people. Right? Like, Maybe we should let somebody know about this because yeah, it's probably some- him. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone's like, shut the fuck up, Claire. Go up Party to your fucking Claire. room. <laughs> it's fucking unreal. She like literally is the most level-headed thing. I'm just getting so excited because the bit characters are so good. Like Claire's boyfriend doesn't have a huge role, but he is 
like the most supportive I boyfriend of all time. <laughs> I Chris is the best character, not the best character in the movie, but like the best supporting character in the movie, the most realistic and the most like normal. And when Jess like goes and tells him Claire is missing, it's my, it's like one of my favorite scenes because I've just never seen somebody react. Like we always talk about authentic. Yeah. Right. We always talk about like, just do it. Just do what you would do. Like talk how you would talk in real life. And that's what he does in that moment. He's like, Hey, what's up? And she's like, Claire's like missing. And he's like, what the fuck? And then she's like, and the police won't do anything. And he's like, what the fuck are you saying? Like, <laughs> it's like, why the he fuck immediately not? goes to the police station. He's like, hey, dipshit, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. It was like the greatest moment. I loved that. I loved Chris so much. He was the so, best. Dude. dude, and he just keeps he just keeps popping up, but he's always in a search party and just like looking like I've never seen somebody just look helpful before, but that guy pulls it off every scene. That he's <laughs> but he, he might not have even known it was an acting gig. That's probably what it was. <laughs> So, just actually dating someone named Claire. Yeah. Hey, Claire's just missing. What the fuck? <laughs> Dude, his reaction. What about, was um, the, how, how do you like that? Uh, what was his role? His name's Nash. He's like supporting Lieutenant. He's the idiot cop. Oh my God. That fucking guy is such a fucking dope. Uh, the fellatio bit is of course great. I, I do enjoy that. Um, that guy now, sucks. Are though. you, are you aware that he did not know what fellatio meant. So his reaction to her saying that was authentic. Oh, in real life? In real life. Uh, <laughs> the actor Doug McGrath claims he has never heard of the term fellatio. And when and when they did the script reading, he was like, what the fuck is this? And he just assumed that... Or he said that he's like, I thought it might have meant something different because like everyone was snickering. But he's like, I didn't want to let on that I didn't know, so I was just like, okay, I'll go with it. So when Margot Kidder was laughing, he was like, uh, I don't get it. Bless you, Sean's sneezing. Yeah, I muted myself though, right? Or did you hear it? You did. Oh. I just ruined it. <laughs> Acknowledging it. <laughs> uh, no, that's that's actually way fucking funnier. Um, and. In that moment, I mean, I we should save it till I talk to it. But like, John Saxon turns into your dad in that fucking segment where he's talking to that guy about the fucking fellatio, fucking the note. He's like, yeah, well, well, in real life, John Saxon got into a verbal spar with Bob Clark because John was adamant. This is true. John was adamant that fellatio should be pronounced as fellatio, and uh, he he did not appreciate that they were not that they were not pronouncing it correctly. <laughs> Which nobody says. Get the fuck Falashio. out of here, Falashio. Wait, which side was John well, he was Saxon arguing. on? Falashio? Huh? John Saxon was on Falashio. Well, John Saxon was saying, it, John Saxon thinks it should be Falashio. Because he's like super Italian somehow. His name is John Saxon. He's <laughs> least Italian name I've ever heard. Falashio. Uh, yeah, he, he was arguing about like the Latin pronunciation of it. <laughs> I fucking love that guy. That guy, man, talk about a fucking actor. He's, he's, not, he's dead, right? He's dead, yeah. That's yeah, a, uh, pretty recent, a couple of years ago. Really? Man, give that guy his fucking flowers. Oh my god, he's he is he is he has a look though. He, his Wikipedia page is fucking insane. Yeah, 2020. Look at that. Bummer. What I mean, a character. I, I, I love John Saxon because like he's in legit, you know, he's in he's in Eastwood Westerns, he's in Enter the Dragons, but then he would never hesitate to be in like Cannibal Apocalypse or Blood Beach and like shit like that. He just like he just liked being in movies. I feel. 
I, I fucking love when when actors are like that. I think that's like the best shit in the world. Um, it, it's just, it's just the best. Look at this fucking guy though. He looks like the fucking devil. And why is that his main fucking Wikipedia page entry picture? A 1958 publicity photo. We had he even been in a movie yet? Fucking 1958? It's his yearbook photo. What the fuck are we talking about? 1958, he had done... God damn, dude. That guy started acting and then just started fucking acting. <laughs> dude, yeah, just, he I, just, I'm you, I think he just liked being in movies. Never stopped, dude. His second movie ever was um, A Star is Born. How fucking nuts is that? What a fucking dude. Anyway, um, I love him. I love him in this. Um, all right, so let's get into it. You have Olivia Hussey, Jess, uh, Olivia Hussey. Uh, we did we already talk? Yeah, we talked about her thing. She was in Turkey Shoot, also a horror show alum. Horror show alum, and she was in Stephen King's It. Uh, Margot. Oh. King- God, two two tidbits I wanted to say before we got into it. The actor comedian Steve Martin loves this film. Uh, he told Olivia Hussey this was like thirty years ago. He's, he claimed that he had seen it twenty seven times when he met Olivia Hussey. Uh, so who knows how many times he's watched it now? And Elvis Presley. The King himself, this is his favorite horror movie, or was his favorite horror movie of all time, and he would make the kids and family watch it in December. I, I've i heard this about Quentin Tarantino also. Uh, his, Tarantino loves it. His favorite fucking movie, and like forces people to, to, to screen it in his fucking basement. <laughs> uh, fucking... Fucking, oh, uh, going back to your pronunciation of Saxton, I think we've talked oh, about this on the show before, but uh, somebody... I was listening to somebody, it might have been uh, Drew McSweeney, somebody like that, but they told an anecdote of how they were at a Hollywood party, and some guy named like John Saxton was showing up, and Quentin Tarantino heard the name, like swiped everything off the table and stood up, and was like, is the is the great John Saxton in our presence? And everyone had to be like, no, man, it's, it's just John Saxton from like down the street. <laughs> That's fucking amazing. <laughs> Man, some of those parties must be fucking fun. Even, I mean, that guy's like a fucking freak. But, like, I would do anything to be at one of those parties. <laughs> Just to see what the fuck goes. Dude, like, imagine being at a party where, like, that could be the case. That John Saxon could be there. And so, Just like, walk in. and like so you see somebody be like, it's the great John Saxon. <laughs> That's fucking amazing. There, yeah. You're watching, like, a fucking, like, it's fucking crazy. Um... Margot Kidder, as we mentioned, she plays Barb, Lois Lane, famously, and another horror show alum, Kathy Lutz. Amityville, Amityville Horror. Amityville Horror. Uh, John Saxon, I'm sure we've done movies with him. Uh, he is Nightmare Lieutenant Fisher. Ken Fuller. Uh, and then you got Peter, Claire, and uh, Mrs. McHenry. McHenry. Um, those are our main, that's our main crew right there. Um so let's get into it. We open up right out of the gate with Killer POV. Yes. And uh, the way that he did this, like they built a device uh, so that the camera was mounted on his head, uh, on the cameraman's head, so that he could swivel it because Steadicam wasn't invented yet. Isn't that so nice? They had they like just, they had to invent this for this movie so they could climb up the trellis and make it look like that. Isn't that nuts? And like, now we have fucking GoPros that you could just fucking like Velcro to your fucking forehead and weighs yeah. zero pounds. The guy probably Dude, broke his fucking neck. <laughs> Dude, 
must have weighed so much because you always hear about these like stories about like these old like prosthetics or props or like set pieces that like literally broke actors fucking backs dude even up yes. like even through like dogma like alan rickman uh his fucking back like broke using the fucking wings and dogma wings. <laughs> and, like dude like they put these actors through fucking hell with these fucking huge things a camera on the forehead it had to be like 60 pounds dude it had to fucking but, and those cameras back then were enormous fucking film cameras dude the two big fucking cans on <laughs> Fucking glued on his fucking up trouser house. Nightmare. Fucking insane. This is why the union started the fucking screen actor unions because this was fucking nuts. (laughs) Fucking bananas. Um. So we open up with that, which is great, and and you know we you've seen other horror movies that do that, and uh, usually that killer POV, early killer POV, is. A boy who's like, hey, honey, and like, you know what I mean? Like, just a little false flag there. False flag? That's conspiracy term, but I don't know why. Can I use that in this term? Is that, is that, of course you can. Is, it, is that a thing? It's false a term. flag? Okay. Yes. Okay. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, uh, so yeah. So, but that's not the case, dude. Like, you, and you feel it, right? Like, there's like a, there's like an acknowledgement. I feel like there's a lot in this movie where, uh, he is not, trying he doesn't think we're stupid he doesn't think we're fucking stupid like they treat us like a fucking adults and he's like yes this is gonna be the fucking killer like proceed like like the the this opening scene and you'll see you'll see the entire shot of the house and it's the christmas lights it's actually kind of hard to explain but i really noticed it watching it this time the christmas lights are really bright Right. Mm-hmm. But the rest of the house is just so dark and depressing. Yeah. And it, it's just like so foreboding and gloomy. And you get that right off the bat. You're like, man, this house sucks. Like th- some shit is going to go down in this house. Yeah. Yeah. I just love the way that he shot that. And and that house is actually like a huge part of this. And really, and I've, I've heard interviews with the people where they're like, honestly, like the house and it's like a corny, cheesy thing to say in making movies, right? Like the house is a character. But they're like, without the fucking stairwell the way it is, without, like, the way that house is shaped and built, like, lent itself to every fucking scene in this movie. Like, you needed that stairwell the way it was. Like, those shots of um, Jess, the character Jess, from the stairwell are, like, some of my favorite scenes. Where it's, like, almost peering around the corner and you're seeing her through the handlebars. Um, there's a scene where, and I, I really, I think this is the first time I noticed it and I could, I could honestly just be my mind playing tricks on me, but, uh, when Jess and Phyllis are, they're, they're sitting in the room together and I think they're talking about the obscene phone calls. There's a shadow that gets gradually bigger near the stairwell behind them. And it's so subtle, but somebody is clearly standing on the stairwell. At first I thought it was just like the light reflecting off Phyllis's head, but it's definitely somebody on the stairwell. And it's just like, it adds to the atmosphere. I don't think I noticed that. Yeah. And they actually do a lot of like atmosphere choices in this that I think are actually like super interesting. Um, So we open up with the killer POV and immediately we get our first call from the moaner, which we talked about. Lick it. Let me lick it. Pretty big cunt. Suck my juicy cock. It's explicit, man. Like, like you said that before. Uh, it's like, oh, it's crazy to hear that in any movies. Like, like, what other movie have you really heard that shit in? Right? Like, can, can you even think of a movie that that, no, that dialogue? <laughs> um, 
Uh, this is the most unhinged thing you could possibly like. Dude, it's, it's fucking so crazy. And the voice is nuts. The voice is insane. Um, Make a slurping sound. Dude, oh, it's so fucking weird. And Margot Kidder, though, God bless her, Barb, the little the little drunk gal, uh, is just like, hey, you fucking idiot. <laughs> Go suck your own dick. <laughs> And that's when Claire steps up and is like, hey, I don't think that's a good fucking idea at all. Because there is, remember those people that were raped? And they're like, what are you talking about? Margo says that. The the voice the voice is very high-pitched and like manic, right? Yeah. It is in a completely unhinged manic state, just spouting yeah. obscenities. And she's like, go suck your own dick, you fucking weirdo. And in like a very normal, low calm voice he just goes i'm going to kill you and hangs up the phone <laughs> like at that point you'd be like i think that guy might be serious like i think i think that guy means it this time um and then uh so claire goes upstairs because they kind of like beef there um to go pack to go meet her dad uh, then we are introduced to mrs mchenry the what do they call it room mom the the house mother house, house mother. mother house mother of the sorority uh, doing her best Burgess Meredith as Penguin impression uh, I've ever fucking seen. Walking with a fucking, a fucking weird ass hat and a fucking one of those long cigarette holders dangling out of what? her mouth. What is the point or what was the point of those? I, I genuinely don't know. I think. But like, so here's my thing. I, in my head, I'm like, okay, it's to keep the smoke away from your fingers or whatever. Like, okay. Which would make sense, right? That would that would be helpful. Um, but then I was like, but that was like in the fifties and shit. Like they didn't, really didn't think cigarettes were that bad. I don't think, and like everyone just like stunk of cigarettes. So I don't know if they actually genuinely gave a fuck. You know what I mean? Yeah, it like, might have just been like a fashion, a fashion thing. I think so. I think so. Um, and she she loves it. She walks in with all the kids' presents because uh, they're doing a. A charity thing the next day, which I can't wait to discuss because one of the craziest fucking things I've ever seen in my life. Barb, Barb is a fucking menace, a menace to society. Um, fucking nuts. Uh, and then they give her a nightgown as a present. Uh, they give Mrs. McHenry a nightgown as a present, which is funny because uh, they, they use that to be like, "All right, go to fucking bed." And she's like, "Oh, okay." Also worth noting, Miss Miss McHenry is the biggest alcoholic, perhaps I've ever seen on screen, aside from Arthur, the the go the go alcoholic, <laughs> the Michael Jordan of alcoholism. Uh, well, she she has she has bottles hidden everywhere. in toilets, <laughs> books, in books. It's, it's unbelievable. Shoe boxes in the fucking closet. At that point, just well, stop can, hiding. Can I just talk about. Can I just talk about. Talk about. I, 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 yeah, stop hiding it. Like those kids are gonna fucking rat on you. Just or just put it in. Like, like that couldn't have been a recent idea. How we used to fill up water bottles with booze. No, or like, no, the kid, no. I think we just talked about this recently. But like, no. Why? Just also, you're an adult. You're an adult. <laughs> Don't tell on me. And all spreading it like, all over the fucking house. You're. They're gonna find one of them. They're. You, it's an Easter egg hunt. What are you doing? Like, Barbara's Barbara's openly drinking in every scene. That's true. So it's not. It's like it can't even be like a dry campus. Barb is like on a ten day drunk in this fucking movie. Like I've never seen somebody so sustained drunk over the course of like three days. Barb, yes you have. Yes, you have. It, it was us also. <laughs> it was. Uh, um, dude, Mrs. Mrs. Mac hiding the bottle of booze in the toilet. 
I just want to point out, she has a string tied to it and pulls it for a good minute. It's almost like when a magician pulls <laughs> the claw, pulls, like claws out of his fucking throat. Cause she's doing that. Like just, it's not that deep. It's, like it's the fucking, back of a toilet. Like a fish in like a fucking uh, lobster trap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is the, so fucking funny. Um, well, Claire is upstairs packing. She hears some noises. She thinks it's old fucking Cobblepot's cat. Uh, but she's also, like I mentioned before, like she thinks it's a cat. I think the cat's name is Claudia. Uh, she thinks it's a cat, but she's also very clearly like there's somebody in there, right? Like who the fuck's in there? She goes in there, which you would do anyway, regardless. You know what I mean? Cause you're not thinking there's a fucking killer in your fucking house nobody ever thinks that yeah. when especially when you have like 10 other people in the house like that's yes um, you didn't watch anybody walk in it's the right. middle of you know y'all have been there yeah hours everyone's up yeah so you wouldn't think that so she walks in and uh he, somebody pops out uh suffocates her with a laundry garment bag um and then drags her up the stairs into the attic. After. Genuinely scary kill. A scary scene. Yeah, not a fun kill. Uh, this brings me to our, our our video clip. And the audio is just as good, though, for you. The all- actress really had that on her head. She did. And uh, she does it again in this fucking clip for some reason. And she's yeah, like 16 right. years old. <laughs> it is one of the funniest clips. So uh, uh, let, I'll preface it because like. It was a, it's a longer clip. I think it's like a minute. It's almost two minutes. Um, but it, it's in segments. So I, I'll, I'll just walk you through it. Because she talks about the cat jumping out bit first, which is also funny. Um, and then she proceeds to explain to us uh, the, the the bag scene. She 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 goes into detail of what it was like doing the bag and how, how that all worked. Uh, I fucking love this clip so much. I was laughing so hard. Um, so here is, I forget her name, Lynn. Lynn oh, Griffin's her name. Lynn Griffin, yeah. Uh, oh, that's upsetting. Why? Why is that so low? Hang on. So this is her in the attic. She's talking about she's in the attic right now of the house. She actually went back to the fucking house for some reason uh, to film this. <laughs> I'm in the rocking chair, and do you remember Claude, the cat, the beautiful cat, the Hollywood cat, hired for his looks, not particularly his talent. Anyway, Claude didn't really want to play very much. Um, he didn't like being thrown, well thrown on my lap by Bob Clark, the director, because he didn't want to jump. Anyway, Bob Clark threw him on my lap and cats have claws. That was nice. Nice memory. <laughs> Say, dude, being like this cat clawed the shit out of me, like basically being like, thanks Bob for that. And then this part's insane. And my face was sprayed with catnip so that he'd lick my face. But the, the most fun was actually, um, I just happened to bring my security blanket along. I haven't been able to actually go anywhere without this. Her security blanket, for those of you just listening, is the fucking laundry bag, which she has brought with her to, to, the, to the house. But I'm just demonstrating what happened. You probably have one of these at home. I wouldn't suggest you try this. Um, <laughs> as I slip into something more uncomfortable. Proceeds to put have, the fucking see, bag. When on her. you actually have a bag, oh yeah. And she's strangling herself right now <laughs> with a plastic bag over her fucking head. <laughs> Wait till she fucking. Okay. And you try to breathe. You see how it goes like this? 
she's dead. That's no good. So, this is insane. She is trying to talk while not using her fucking mouth or tongue <laughs> and continuing to just make noises as if any of us know what the fuck she's saying. Oh. <laughs> Listen to this. Yeah. All right. Uh oh. Yeah. So you see, I could, I could breathe. I wasn't really in danger, but it's very uncomfortable and very hot. And I think at one point they actually broke for lunch and left me there. But <laughs> <laughs> like this, poor Lynn does not understand that these people fucking hated her guts. Clearly, throwing cats at her, breaking for lunch with her in a plastic fucking bag, suffocating. <laughs> And then she has one more thing she reveals here at the end, which is... Can you imagine Can you imagine the panic of, like, the supervisors on that set at the time? Because I know it's independent, but you still have people in oh, place. And they, yeah. they most definitely forgot about her and came back. We're like, dude, holy shit. Like, go poke her. Make sure, make sure she's still with us. Which is even funnier because... Uh, what she's about to say would even make that even more alarming. Because... Uh, now, her scenes where she's dead... There are not short scenes when she's in that rocking chair uh, or or it cuts oh. to her upstairs. She's in she's it's a while that that they filmed that. And, you know, it was even longer that they filmed it uh, and what they cut and put in the movie. So here there's, she is. <laughs> what? There's a scene where the, the, it's killer POV on her face and he's just rocking her, like yes. moaning and making weird noises. It's a while. It's like a minute long scene. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and let's see what she has to say about <laughs> those anyway, long scenes. So I had this whole I hurry fucking doing it again uh, <laughs> i was able to actually hold my breath long enough as you see in the movie to not look like i was alive i was actually but i am here today to tell you about it and you know what's really great about this when i go to the dry cleaners i get recognized <laughs> the most fucking crazy fucking behind this dude i was laughing so fucking hard so she was just holding her breath the entire fucking time in those fucking scenes so yeah when these guys came back to set they were probably like whoa oh fuck oh fuck you were supposed to get her uh that's not good uh but uh i fucking loved that fucking set dude i was laughing so fucking hard i was like what is she doing when she's talking with her mouth full of plastic whoa 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 no, like the cameraman wasn't like, "Hey, FYI, that no one's gonna hear that. Like, no one knows what you're saying. Like, what do you? <laughs> those aren't we're, you, you know about the are. documentary cameraman? Right yeah, now? yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was yeah, well, filming. Sean, it? Uh, she uh, has fucking brain damage from having plastic bag over her head for <laughs> extended shoots. <laughs> the the other best part about that documentary is she co-hosts it with the guy that played. She oh, the guy that played Chris. Okay. Or was it Peter? No, it had to be the guy who played Chris. Uh, never seen a hornier old guy in my whole fucking life, dude. He is, like, grabbing onto her like it's it's incessant. And she's like, I wish you were this romantic in 74. She, she keep, dude, she says that, like, seven times in the fucking the behind-the-scenes thing. And he's just like, hey, honey, let's go upstairs. <laughs> I don't know who fucking paid them to do that, but <laughs> oh man! Uh, I great. wish they got uh, Phyllis's boyfriend. Have you ever seen an older-looking college student than the guy oh. that's with Phyllis? Is that the one who plays Santa? 
Yes, dude. dude that, that is that guy is like mid fifties in at that time. Oh, <laughs> uh, that guy is fucking old as shit. I mean, I mean, so Peter looks old too. Um, not as old as that. No, no, not as old as that. Not as old as that. Nowhere near as old as that. So Claire's done. She's dead. Um, she's upstairs, not breathing. Uh, in the back. Uh. McHenry, Mrs. Mac, well, let's just say Mrs. Mac, right? You said it earlier. I liked it. Uh, yes. Mrs. Mac hides her alcohol in an encyclopedia, uh, putting it in the B book for booze, just, you know, to make sure no one, re- really no one finds it for sure. And she announces it out loud probably every time she does it, which everyone's probably like, yeah, we know it's in the fucking B encyclopedia, you fucking idiot. We hear you every night be like, oh, B for booze <laughs> when you go to bed. <laughs> uh, and the girls, like I mentioned, force her to bed by being like, put on your fucking nightgown and go to fucking bed, which she does. Uh, Jess gets a call from her boyfriend, a musician named Peter. Um, Peter, it, he wants to be in the conservatory, which I believe is like a fancy term for like orchestra. I don't know. Like uh, music school. That's maybe? what I assumed it meant. I actually realized just now I have no clue what the fuck he's talking about. Yeah, neither do I. I. Assumed it was, hey, guess what? Assumed it was that. I don't think he knows what the fuck he's talking about because he certainly isn't a fucking musician. So <laughs> let me let's be real about that fucking whole thing. I can't wait to actually talk about that because that is honestly the thing that pisses me off the most about this movie is Peter's fucking delusions of like what his life is and like what the future life holds. It's like the most fucking strung out shit you've ever heard in your life. Um, uh, Burgess Meredith uh, also then is like, hey, I got to brush my teeth before bed. Goes to the bathroom where she fishes the the, the liquor out of the toilet, uh, which she drinks, but she doesn't because she just swishes it in her mouth and uses it as mouthwash and mouthwash, spits it in yeah. the fucking sink. Which, if you wanted to pick someone as an alcoholic, uh, that's a great way to do it. That's a great way to set the tone for an alcoholic <laughs> using alcohol as mouthwash. Uh, yeah. And we get our first iconic shot of Claire being rocked in her chair uh, with the fucking bag on her head, man. And that is just, like, fucking unsettling. And to end the movie on that also is just top fucking notch, man. Yes, I will say. So I I said before, and I know we're going to talk about it at the end, but since you brought it up right now, I do have a problem. Well, yes. (laughs) I thought that he wrapped everything up, but now you just said that. The cops just leaving the house without combing every area and also leaving the final girl who's in a, a catatonic state of stress yeah. there by herself. Not at a hospital. <laughs> there by herself. <laughs> and like that's the the house is a crime scene. The house, <laughs> right? Like there needs to be people searching each room for like evidence 1974 DNA. Canada they're not they're fu- Peter's dead <laughs> case closed let the girl get some I think, fucking I mean, rest. unfortunately I think you're right I, I think you can explain it like that yeah. not even just Canada I think that's just 1970s yeah that's a wrap well know? hey that guy's dead you you're asleep for th- <laughs> yeah. the, the, the one guy's like she'll probably be sleeping for three days or so <laughs> 
as if that's a normal fucking thing. And he's like, just, you know, you just got to let her do, do that. Sleep that one off but like, alone. Claire has not, Claire has not been found. Correct. You know, like, that's actually a great point. Uh, the yeah. father, the father passes out and, and you know, the father's under a lot of stress. I'm fine with that. It's safe to assume Claire's dead. Like I, I'm sure yeah. the father knows that, but nobody has confirmed that yet. Like that house should be searched. Yeah. And also there's a dead child too, that, that, that this could be linked to this house could be linked to. Right. So like, well, I mean, they think Peter's, I mean, they say it. Well, I guess that's too, true. They think yeah. Peter so, Pe- so case closed. <laughs> No reason for any other information. <laughs> why, yeah, we get why he was trying to kill this girl, Jess. Why he killed Claire and the other person who... Well, we, we don't have Claire's body, but we're assuming Peter killed her and the little girl. It's just, you know, fucking... Uh, wait, wait, wait. Fucking Margot Kidder, too. Margot Kidder's gone now. What did they do with... What they Dude, do the with fucking them? house mom's gone. And they don't. they don't ever really mention that like no one's like hey has anyone seen miss phillips has anyone seen miss mchenry she was fucking uh she went to bed and never came back (laughs) (laughs) all right you know i I still think it's a perfect movie but that uh it's that yeah it's not a perfect script but it's it's dude what but why you don't even have to ask the question don't worry about it just like it's okay All I know is, like, you watch documentaries about fucking crimes and shit, and, like, they do the dumbest shit, right? Like, It's not the, it's not the most unbelievable It's really thing. not. I mean, look at Dahmer. That's what I was going to fucking say. Fucking <laughs> gift wrap the victim back, back to the, the Dude, killer. The, the, cops have, the cops found two of his victims who were fucking, he was, they were lobotomized, and they were like, hey, listen, let this guy go back with his fucking boyfriend, all right? Give the guy a fucking break. <laughs> You're like, what the fuck? What? Yeah, so... <laughs> It's not the most unbelievable scenario. No, no. However unbelievable it may be. Yeah, they're all just sleeping in their respective rooms. Let Jess go back to sleep and we'll worry about it uh, three days when she wakes up. Uh, cut. Uh, oh, uh, yes. So, yeah. So, Claire's up there in the rocking chair. Um, actually, I thought your complaint was going to be the fact that that rocking chair is right in front of the window outside. Everyone could fucking see. You could see. Yeah, she has... The best view of the you actually street. the 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 last scene panning out from that window is actually what kills it. I don't think it's an issue until you do that and you're like, because the camera pans out like fucking a hundred yards away and you still see her in the fucking window and you're like, oh fuck, like what what are we doing? <laughs> what the fuck? Everyone on Earth can see that fucking woman up there. Um, we cut to the university where Claire's dad waits for Claire, who never shows up. This 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 string of events for Claire's dad is just like the most dog shit day on earth. You you watch him processing like she's not showing up. Like where the fuck is my daughter? Um, then he gets hit with a fucking snowball by some fucking child, <laughs> <laughs> right in the face. Right, dude, fucking direct hit to the fucking face. He like, he like goes takes a knee. He's like, he glasses get knocked off. He takes a fucking knee. Uh, and and like, can you imagine a worse fucking day? And then, and then some guy shows up and is like, Hey, uh, I'm sorry. I guess I should have been watching them. And he's like, yeah, you should have been. And the guy's like, (laughs) the guy's like, all right, fucking asshole. I said, I was fucking sorry. All right. (laughs) Jesus Christ. What else do you want from me? (laughs) Like turns it back on Claire's dad. He's like, I'm sorry. (laughs) 
and but he does find out where the sorority house is um and uh he heads over there to get some more information about where his daughter claire is meanwhile at the fraternity house where the the gals are doing a a like a toy drive for orphans or uh underprivileged yeah. children or something like that uh where there's a santa being like that stupid fucking bitch talking about a woman and he has a child in his lap while he's yes. doing this. And you're like, okay, maybe it's like supposed to be like, I don't know, somebody they know. So it's not that big of a deal. But then they're like, hey, kids, Santa's got a real potty mouth, doesn't he? What? What? They're all there just watching this guy. And then Santa just fucking looks down for no reason and just goes, oh, fuck. And you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> the fuck? And while that's happening, like you mentioned before, Margot being a fucking menace. He's just giving these orphans alcohol. Now, as unbelievable as all this sounds, except for maybe, except for maybe giving the alcohol to the orphan. Uh, if our acquaintances at Eastern were throwing a like toys for tots drive. Yes. And like, let's say somebody whose name starts with a T was dressed as Santa Claus. Uh, that is exactly <laughs> a thousand, a thousand percent. A th- pussy. <laughs> <laughs> getting into a fight with a guy about agreeing about the same fact <laughs> as Santa. Yeah, no, it would go exactly like this. It would be fucking awful. It would fucking ruin everything for everybody. Um, but yes, Barb is giving a kid a booze and then be like, oh, this little fucker schnockered already saying this to, to Claire's dad, who's, I do have to say, for a guy, like, I would be much more panicked than that guy is, but he just wants to find his daughter. He probably feels sick to his stomach. Like, he knows something's wrong. Right. He has to, has to deal with that and be like, oh my God, this is who my daughter's been associating with. Like, there's not going to be a happy ending to this story. Which also, he was already mad when he walked in and he's like, wait, she's got a picture of a boy on her desk and uh, they might be drinking alcohol. And he's upset about that when he walks in and then is exposed to all of this. I'd be like, oh, she's fine. She's like, I'm not. You would say she's fine. No, no, no. I'm not saying she's fine right now. I'd be nervous for her, but I'd be like, she's behaving compared to these fucking degenerates. Like in college. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 No, I would be, I would be like, this is bad. Yes. (laughs) This is not good. No, this, no one knows where they are. Um, we find out Jess is pregnant because she heads to the university to go talk to Peter. Um, and uh, Peter wants her to have the baby. Now, uh, I don't know why, because they are in college and seemingly have these lofty ambitions of of life after college, which at, which Jess will point out later in the movie in a, in a scene I fucking love. Uh, where she explains to Peter, like, why Peter's a fucking idiot. And I fucking love that. Um, but anyway, Peter's like, y- you have to keep the baby. And Jess is like, I'm not keeping the fucking baby. And he's like, okay, we'll talk later. And she's like, I'm not changing my mind. And he's like, okay, see you tonight. <laughs> Which And then she's going to be like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> talk to you then. Now, now I think Peter, I've, I've said this before. I think Peter is very intent on killing Jess. I think Peter is a piece of shit. Yes. Um, and I think Peter is unhinged. Yeah. I will say in the slightest defense of Peter, if you can give him any defense, 
maybe not the best time to break that to him because because he's like you know what i have today right like i yes. have like this super important recital it's just like, yeah i know like maybe just wait till after it, maybe yeah that night i mean it's all complicated the whole thing is a complicated mess uh, yeah i agree but you know can't hold that in i don't know also peter like fucking uh, but also you have to know peter's a piece of shit at this point sure i mean i think Everyone, because everyone, as the movie goes on, other characters are like, "I've never liked this fucking <laughs> yeah, I don't, yeah. a killer." <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So it, it's it's tough. Uh, Jess gets another call from the moaner. Uh, this time, interestingly themed around a baby and a mother. Uh, you can't really like totally hear what they're saying, but it's like a lot of like baby, like and like kind of mimicking what. Jess has been dealing with in a way. And, and so like Jess is super unsettled by that, obviously like it's insane. Uh, that's, they go to the cops, uh, where <laughs> that, what, what's the name of that cop? You, you know, his name for some reason, the shitty cop, Ralph Nash, 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 uh, where Nash is like, Hey, shut your fucking mouth to Barb. <laughs> Barb's like, Hey, you're a real piece of shit. And he's like, I told you to shut up. <laughs> craziest exchange between a police officer and somebody who is reporting a person missing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's when Jess goes to talk to Chris, who, as we mentioned, is just the only one really besides Jess, who seems to be fucking concerned that this girl is fucking gone. Like, like, like even at that cop station, even though Barb is like trying to help Barb's like, where's my friend? And you're like, Barb, get the fuck out of here. Like, you're not helping. That's where Barb gives the fellatio scene. Yes. Oh yes. Right. She gives them the fellatio number there. (laughs) Not the best, best time. Like none of these girls have any sense of timing. Maybe not the best time to be doing this. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Dude. And also giving them a fake number when you're looking for some, like, what if they did find your friend and now they can't fucking call you. (laughs) Great point. (laughs) Fellatio. (laughs) Imagine that. Um, uh, hey, Peter, the guy uh, that de- was demanding that they keep the baby uh, while he chases his piano career is playing the shittiest piano I have ever heard in my entire fucking life. And that includes Wesley Willis in that topic. I'd put Wesley Willis ahead it of him. It does not. It does not. It does fucking not. Stop it. It doesn't. But, but in the sake of this movie, uh, that's the point. He He... Like he's sweating and he's thinking. Like his mind is not focused on the piano. He is. He is. She. The conversation. You wouldn't be just that. If you're that big of a fucking mess over that, like you gotta get get a fucking grip, man. This is your fucking. Sure, that's a pretty. I mean, I mean, fucking man, future. That's a pretty big like, bomb. The drop. Finding out you knocked a girl up. Alone, like not even the abortion. Fat, suck a big fat cunt. Suck my. <laughs> I'm gonna do Billy's <laughs> Dude, well, Billy's well, dialogue <laughs> as Wesley well, Wilson. Uh, fuck that i wish that happened (laughs) dude it's wesley willis calling them dude that's just as unsettling suck batman's ass (laughs) suck a hyena's dick i I whoop that camel's ass you'd be like oh my god i gotta call the police Rock and roll McDonald. Dude, with that fucking little voice that he always like re- dubbed over. The tiny voice, the tiny Wesley Willis voice. 
Anyway, sorry. I don't know. I love Wesley Willis so much. <laughs> it's unreal. Um, Did you ever hear about the time Wesley Willis brought a gallon of orange juice? I think it was on a van with Sublime, and they were stuck on the freeway in Los Angeles. And he decided to chug the entire thing. And like everyone in the band was like, don't do that, dude. Like, you're just gonna, it's going to make you like sick. And um, I guess I guess the freeway was a parking lot. And Wesley was like, I'm going to shit my pants. So he just kicked open the door and just spraying diarrhea <laughs> on the side. <laughs> and on the cars that were all behind it. <laughs> Wesley Willis is way more, or was more, way more terrifying than uh, Billy. Billy, yeah. I, I agree. Dude, he fucking headbutted everyone he met. Um <laughs> Until he grew a horn. Uh, <laughs> fucking, that's psychotic. <laughs> he wasn't well. He's mentally. I know he was. He was very. He was very sick. He was very sick. But guys, I, we're not making fun of him. Just look up Wesley Wells if you don't know who he is. There's some strange twist of fate that you don't know who Wesley Wells is. Please, please go listen. Uh, fucking Chicago legend. Uh, you. you <laughs> anyway. Peter's playing the worst piano I've ever fucking heard. You ain't supporting shit with that, pal. You ain't fucking supporting no family with that. Then Peter destroys the fucking piano with the mic stand. And by the way, no, Peter knows that he fucking sucks at piano. Peter fucking knows he sucks at piano because later he's like, yeah, I'm going to stop doing that. Okay, Peter, then what's the no, fucking plan? No, what's the he, fucking he, he, plan, no, Peter? No, 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 because they wouldn't give him the chance to do that if he wasn't good enough. Like, he's already in an upper class. Nobody's. Those, he didn't fucking he trick. The, the whole thing unraveled him, which is the point. That's the plot point of the movie that he's unraveled by this news and what she's going to do. And he's just becoming, he's traveling, spiraling further and further into madness because of it. He's, this he, is the start of it. He's just using the pre programmed Casio songs. <laughs> they were like, this guy's fucking amazing. And then they put a grand piano in front of him. And he was like, oh, what? Uh, <laughs> I don't know what to do. Pianos are expensive, right? Like, I, yeah. I'm not asking you. But like, pianos are fucking expensive. To smash one after one bad. You, you'd go to jail uh, for that, by the way. You would. You That's like grand, grand, like vandalism. I don't know. Grand larceny vandalism. <laughs> something or other. That is so unhinged. To yeah. take a, a mic stand and just smash it repeatedly. Yeah. That's honestly terrifying to yeah. watch somebody that's fucking, lose their mind like that. Yeah, no, it's insane. Uh, which is funny because like I love when John Saxon goes and looks at it and is like, oh, that's probably not a good idea. <laughs> um, Chris, uh, uh, the, the boyfriend of Claire, uh, goes to the police, thankfully, because he walks in and is like, hey, dipshits. This girl is fucking missing. And Nash is like, oh, hey, pal. And he's like, you're a fucking idiot, first of all. And then he finds John Saxon and he's like, can you help? And John's like, yeah, of course. Like, let's go find that missing girl. (laughs) I love John Saxon's character in this because whatever you read about serial killers, like, uh, you know, Richard Ramirez or or Dahmer and stuff, we already talked about how, you know, there's dipshits that, like, make it prolonged but there's always one good one that's just like hey i'm gonna do what i can to like actually do my job and like make sure this stops yeah. and, and help and listen to people and that's john saxon's character yeah so absolutely. I, I love that they incorporated it all in there yeah i i do i agree with that um back at the sorority uh margo is still drunk um and they're trying to have dinner with claire's dad and like 
everyone knows Claire's dad is like uptight, right? <laughs> and fucking Margot Kidder is like, hey, you want to hear the craziest fucking thing about turtles? They fuck <laughs> for three days straight, 24 7, just pounding it out. <laughs> like Claire's dad is like, what the fuck? <laughs> and she's like, I'm lucky if I get three minutes. And then the best part of that, like that scene's funny. And then she's like, you want to know how I know this? (laughs) And of course no one answers. And she's like, I went to the zoo and fucking watched them. (laughs) (laughs) It's the funniest fucking reveal I've ever heard. And she's like, not all three days. Of course. She's like, I went and looked at the zebras because they only last 30 seconds. And then just like cracks herself up. It was like the fucking best saying that. Honestly, saying that to anyone is unhinged. Saying that to a stranger is even more unhinged. Saying it to a stranger who is looking for his lost daughter is the most unhinged. Who is your friend? Who is your friend? Who's your friend? Who's your friend? And that's not even the worst part of that convo because after she says that fucking insane stuff about the turtles, she's just like, well, when Clara ends up dead, you're going to blame me. Saying that to a father who's looking for his daughter, I'd fucking lose my mind. And we find out that another girl, Janice, has gone missing. A high school age girl has gone missing. Um, we get a giant search party, which Claire's dad is helping. Which, like, God bless this guy because, like, why wasn't he like, "Hey, can we also expand this to look for my my daughter also?" <laughs> like, no, she's missing too. Like, like. But they all just go looking for the missing high school girl who they end up finding dead in a park. I think it has more to do with the age, like, uh, which I do think would be a a realistic thing. Like, they would. Yeah, but I I think they would probably just throw in, like, hey, there's also another girl that's missing, too. Just keep your eyes peeled. (laughs) Yeah, sure. While we're out there. While we're out there. I'm sure they would. I'm sure they would. Um, Mrs. McHenry uh, is looking for a cat. Uh, She finally ends up in the attic. We finally get to go up into the attic, too. Uh, where yes. she sees a, we see a giant hand holding a hook. It's like deranged holding this hook, like so excited to hold this giant fucking hook in its hands. Uh, and she sees Claire's body and is like, holy shit. And turns around and fucking Billy just throws this hook right into her fucking face. Yes. And then pulls her up into the attic using the rope, which is a cool fucking moment. Very that's, cool. that's a true like slasher fucking kill. That's like, yes, that's not even like, that's like, like Friday part two, part three, right? Like that's like deeper into the kills. Like that's cool that they fucking did that in this. Yes. Where they're like, Hey, we don't have it, to just yeah, use a knife. Unconventional. Yeah. Weapon, yeah, right? yeah. 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 We can like do this fucking weird thing. That's like, looks fucking cool. Like, yes, they did that in this. That's fucking crazy. They did. And Billy gets fucking horny when he kills like Billy. They they don't show you like you never see Billy. Right. But Billy is like, I'm not, I'm not trying to be funny. He's fucking horny. Like he's horned up. He's going nuts after this kill Mm -hmm. because you see killer POV again. He's over to Claire. He's like moaning excited. Like you just know this guy has raging hard on. Yeah. That's when he makes the, uh, the phone calls. Every time he kills, he makes more and more obscene phone calls. He's getting off. To these murders and he loses his fucking mind smashing shit screaming it, it's intense uh yep. jet just makes her way back home from the uh search party that that's but you all- said they found the girl right yes yeah yeah 
they found the girl, and I love that because it's just somebody screaming, screaming their head off. So you mm-hmm. know that they found a body, and they don't show the body, nope. which is why I think this movie is so effective. Like I, I said that earlier, I think less is more in this movie mm-hmm. because you see like the father's face, and you just be like, oh god, like he's just like the way that his eyes react. You're like, he knows that his daughter has the same fate, and like something bad is happening in this town. Yeah, that's it, actually a great. Chilling. That's actually a great point like that scene is used to tell us that he knows claire's dead he knows fucking claire's dead that's what that scene is used for like he's like got it like without telling without him having to see the body he is coming guy, to terms the, that actor is so fucking good because he also calls his wife at some point and he the whole time he's like don't worry yeah i'm sure she's just out on town he's like i'm sure everything will be fine but you just know he's like the way that he conveys everything. You just know he's like sick inside. I, yeah. I absolutely love this guy. Yeah. He's really good. Um, just makes her way back home from the search party. And and I, I mentioned that Billy was screaming and smashing shit. No one is home because they're all at the search party, which is why he was able yeah. to do that. And Billy knows this. Yeah. 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 Um, so she gets back home, gets another insane call. And then Peter shows up um, and she's like, how did the recital go? And he's like, how the fuck do you think it went? <laughs> Listen, man, she doesn't fucking know. She's trying. She's trying. I'm team Jess. I'm team Jess. Fuck Peter. Peter sucks. Anyway, Peter tells Jess he's quitting the conservatory and that they're going to get married. Not a solid plan for the future. Uh, As a matter of fact, it's less of a plan than it was before, which wasn't a plan. Now he's like, I oh, by the way, I have no job and we're going to get married. And that's going to fix everything. Um. And just, 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 I love this scene. Just fucking schools the shit out of him and like brings a lot to the table with the two characters here where she's like, the conservatory is your fucking dream. And I have a dream and it's to graduate college and like do my fucking shit. Uh, and you know, just cause you're fucking dog shit at piano doesn't mean I'm giving up my dreams to marry your fucking dumb ass and like do this shit. Like, I'm not like, like I, I fucking love that moment where she's like, dude, like we wanted to do shit before this. Like, why are we giving everything up? Like, uh, Peter's not thrilled about that though. So Peter's exact words are, if you try getting abortion, you're going to be very sorry, which is in fact a threat, and he does this yes. right as John Saxon is throw- showing up with the other police officers, and he storms out so much so that Saxon, you know, just stares at him. Yeah. Well, after he's gone, being like that guy, something's off with that guy, and we also see Peter after that exchange. He's in the woods. He's yeah. in the woods across the street from the house, just watching what's going on, which is not normal behavior. No. That, that is unsettling behavior for somebody that mad becoming more and more unhinged. You know, it's so funny. Like I really did not pick up on the idea that Peter is a fucking psychopath in this. Like I knew, like, I don't like him. Right. Like I, I, I knew I'm supposed to hate him. He's not like the greatest guy. Uh, not a good boyfriend for sure. Uh, but I didn't pick up on that until you started like talking about it like that. Like, he is going to kill her. Like you're hundred percent right. Like this is like a domestic like incident. Like this is like, yeah. he's going to fucking kill her. Like in my mind, he is completely unraveled. Like there's no way no. around that. And I, I think at the end, like you said, when he shows up, he was there to murder her. And I think she, cause we don't, we I think don't she defended her herself. Statement. I think she defended yeah, we don't herself. Hear her statement. No, and I don't think that she would have just killed him swung that 
poker and kill him if he wasn't being overly aggressive. Correct. I don't, and I don't think she thought he was Billy. No. Um, but what I do like, Oh fuck. This is so good. I just got like chills. What I do like is the next obscene phone call that happens after the scene we just talked Very, about. Yes. Um, they end up tapping the phones, right? Yeah. So the cops are listening in on it and what Billy is saying makes Jess go, Oh, like she says, Oh, out loud. And to the point where Saxon's like, why did you say that? Did he say something you recognize? And she's like, no, but we find out he said what Peter had said. Like exactly. Very what similar, Peter's, almost identical. Yeah. Which is what Peter just like said. having a wart removed. Yes. And that's, and just like, I heard that before. Like Peter said that to me while he was just here. So she, she might, might be thinking, she might think it, it could Peter. be Peter. Yeah. yeah. Or like at least at the least bit, just confused. Right. Like, Yes. But that being said, just because you think, and, and the way that this movie is done, like we, we know it's not Peter, but like we know that the killer is in the house. So he'd listen to that whole conversation. That's how he's able to repeat it. But all that to say, even if Jess thinks that he was making those phone calls, I still don't think she would have swung that on him unless he was being aggressive. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. She would dude, killing somebody like you killing somebody right and, killing and he ends somebody. up on top of you like his body is on top of you when they find yes. you like you, you guys swing were that poker right into his knee yeah, yeah you, you could bash his ribs like you went for the kill he for fell sure. on top of you yeah. um yeah that's that's insane um and then we get that scene uh with nash uh and john sexton or john saxon fuck uh and this is the moment where to me, I just like, I just thought of your dad this whole time. Cause John Saxon looks at the piece of paper with the fucking phone number with fellatio on it. And is like, do you fucking write this? And the guy's like, yeah. And he's like, fellatio guys like, yeah, what's the fucking big deal? And he's like, fellatio where the fuck did you get this? And he's like, oh, the girls gave it to me. And he's like, the girls gave it to you. Okay. And like walks over to his fucking desk. Like just absolutely devastated. I think he's like, he says something like, you need directions to pick your fucking nose. He's like, you're so fucking dumb. And like just goes and sits down. And like the guy's like, oh, what is it? Something dirty? He's like, yeah, it's something fucking dirty. All right. Like get the fuck out of here. So disappointed in his own fucking staff. <laughs> Um, yeah. And here's the weird thing about this horror movie. The cops actually do something as, as we've mentioned a couple times, uh, they wiretap the phones. They're very active. This becomes a police investigation at this point in the movie. We kind of pivot a little bit here to not a procedural, but like a mystery, like a murder mystery, a, f- a film noir, if you will. Yeah. They, they are actively trying to solve yeah, dude, they're, they're, they tap the phones like you mentioned. Uh, they park a car out front with a cop in it. They are going to catch this guy um, and get to the bottom of this shit. Uh, and things get very creepy, especially considering that Jess is basically the fucking bait in the fucking house. Like, <laughs> once again, they're just like, hey, just wait in the house and like, it'll be fine. <laughs> we'll figure it out. <laughs> Even though everyone goes missing in here. Um, and then, uh, you, we talked about earlier, like scenes that add tension in this movie. There's one here where, um, Barbara, Margot Kidder 
has an asthma attack in her sleep. Yeah. And it's not for any real point, but it just adds this like level of tension and stress. Yeah, yeah. Stress into the fucking movie. And like, Jess hears it and it sounds insane. It sounds it's fucking like she's being murdered. Yeah. yeah. So she runs up and it kind of looks like she's being murdered, but she's just gasping for air. Um, and, and she helps her with the asthma thing, but it's just like, just adding to it without, without dumbing it down. Right. It's a fake out, right? It, yeah. it makes the listeners be like, Oh shit, something's happening, but it's not. So you're just elevated and on edge. Yeah. And then we get a uh, more killer POV, but this time it is in the house. Uh, before it would always be just like in a room that he dropped into. He's now walking around the hallways going into different rooms, uh, including uh, Barb's room where he kills her with like a crystal yes. shiv. <laughs> yeah. It's like a swan crystal. And he goes, it's just me. Billy fucking kills her. Billy. Uh, phone starts ringing again. We get more of the moaner. Um, you do see the outline of him. You don't, you don't see Billy, but no. um, it does not look like Peter. I will say. Yes, I agree with that. Uh, and again, they use different actors and different lighting techniques to change the shape Genius. of Billy. Genius. Constantly. They were constantly changing him to be bulkier, to be skinnier. It's fucking nuts. It's fucking crazy. Uh, phone rings. Uh, Moner's back. This time, John Saxon can hear this horse shit, which he gives the face anyone would do, which is like, what the fuck? Like, dude, fucking, they were for real. Like, this is insane. <laughs> like, also, going back to my dad, if my dad heard that and was like, this has been happening for how? Like, you'd honestly be furious. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you guys have been allowing this to go on for this long. Uh, I do want to say, I said it was a, a glass swan. It, it was a glass unicorn, which would obviously make a thousand times more sense. Oh, I think so. Dude, again, I know we did an episode on this because I feel like a listener corrected us on that in the past. But whatever. I guess we didn't. So, la-di-da. Adron Collider, man. Yeah. Did we do a live show on it? No. I don't think so. Anyway, Billy... Again, oh yeah, that's that's the call where Billy says the weird thing um, that was like relevant to Peter. Um, And then right after that happens... Because uh, they're not able to track him down with the wiretap. Peter calls the house crying about the baby and being like, you're going to kill the fucking baby. Uh, and sounds like fucking Billy. Yes. <laughs> sounds exactly like Billy. Because uh, he's just like sobbing and it's just like all distorted and fucking weird. Um, and that's when John Saxon's like, hey, you need to tell me exactly what the fuck this guy is talking about. Like, are you killing a child? <laughs> like, what the fuck? are you guys up to? Um, And she has to tell him, you know, like private, unfortunate news. And John Saxon's pretty good with it. Right. Like he, he's, you know, I wouldn't say overly sympathetic in any way, but he, he does like, he's like, okay. But like, he's not like trying to be unsympathetic, but what he's trying to do is be like, it sounds like this guy has a reason to fucking kill you. There's there's a motive. There's a motive. Like he's not trying to be like, you know, dig into your privacy, but he's like, I think he's trying to help her be like, he's like, is this the guy I saw leaving the fucking house in a fucking tizzy? And she's like, yeah. And he's like, he seemed pretty fucking angry. <laughs> like he didn't seem well. And she's like, well, yeah, I guess not. And he's like, this isn't great. Like, th- like this is not fucking good. 
And John Saxon starts investigating Peter. He like will go to the to this conservatory where he finds the smashed piano. Uh, very suspicious. Very suspicious shit, right? Yes. Um, while that's going on, uh, two men show up with shotguns at the door. And <laughs> the movie has comedic relief, right? The, these guys they serve a purpose in the plot, but like they're also it's also comedic relief. It's fucking crazy because they're like, "Hey, better be careful!" And you're like, "Dude, what the fuck?" Um. And we get another call and his most deranged one about baby Billy. Uh, it's just out of control. Saxon is um, investigating Peter when they're like, hey, we got the fucking guy on the line again. Uh, and this time they figure out the phone. They they are able to track the phone. And uh, it is a great moment when that guy finds that calls Saxon and you just see Saxon's reaction. And he is like, you need to have them call jess it's it's nash it's nash that calls because he's like this oh, is the address and saxon's like oh, hey, yeah, idiot right. he's like that's where the calls are going to and saxon's and nash is like no man like that's where the calls are also coming from and that's what saxon's character's like dude holy shit he's yeah. like, nash if you fuck this up i will kill you dude i but fucking love that jess, i fucking love, I love that. that dude i love that because nash is a fucking idiot yeah he's like if you if you fuck this up i will kill you but you need to tell her just to exit the house and do not tell her there's a killer Inside the house, Nash immediately calls Jess and it's like, "Hey, Jess, uh, don't need me to alarm you, but uh, who else is in the house with you?" And she's like, "All oh, my roommates." He's like, "Okay, well, uh, you need to just uh, leave." And she's like, "Well, I'll go get my roommates." He's like, "No, you can't. There's a killer inside the house. And he's calling <laughs> from inside the house. <laughs> you got to get out of there right now." <laughs> it's fucking insane. He gives it like two. <laughs> the one thing he's told not to do <laughs> does it immediately. <laughs> fucking asshole and by the way the way john saxon says that i truly believe he would have like killed him i feel i believe that character i believe that character that john saxon is playing would have killed nash for if he found out that he had done that like and it ended in jess's demise right like yeah like i i think for sure um he would have at least broken every bone in his face yeah a thousand percent uh and i would have (laughs) also like because like saxon's plan is perfect he's like you just need to tell her to calmly walk out of the house and that's it do not say anything else that's it just get her the fuck out of the house yeah that's it <laughs> dude it's honestly that simple you just be like hey we're we're, we're trying something right yeah we're, yeah, like, yeah, we're yeah, experimenting. yeah that's all you have to say walk out the house that's all yeah. you have to say <laughs> dude and then when she's like well why can't i he's like i can't tell you <laughs> <laughs> screaming like that's gonna make anybody panic just like i can't say I fucking tell you, John Saxon's gonna kill me. Uh, yeah. So the phone's in the house, uh, and uh, Jess does not leave the house. Um, and honestly, I put her at this moment in this scene. I put her in the upper echelon of final girls because she she is a thousand percent, dude. Because she has been told there is a killer in the house. And I don't know why this differs to me than other ones. Maybe it's because this movie is so grounded. Um, but the, the fact that she knows that there's a killer and she knows doesn't be lying towards the door. Yeah, does not be lying and grabs a fucking fire poker. And is like, I'm going to get my fucking friends out of here. Like that's, Cause I don't think she was like, I'm going to fight this guy and fucking win the battle. She was just like, Definitely I'm going to get my friends the fuck out of here though. Like we're going to, I'll, I'll at least be able to do that. Um, yes, I, 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 I completely agree. And, th- and that's what makes her so good as a final girl. Cause she's not a fighter. Like, and that's right. not as an insult. She, there, there's nothing to indicate 
But she even has a reason to fight at this point, right? Because no. there's she hasn't come face to face with a killer. There's been no real threat to her other than her boyfriend. Right. So there's nothing to believe that she would use that as a weapon, but she gets it just to protect her friends. It's right. amazing. And really, I mean, if you heard that there's a call coming in from inside the house, like, yeah, you, you would for sure believe it. You'd be scared. But I think there would also be an element of like, that can't be That's right. Impossible. That can't be right. Right. Yes. Yeah. Like where? Like he must be like, what? Like that it can't be. Um, so she goes into Barb's room, finds all of her fucking friends slaughtered. Uh, well, I shouldn't say all of them. It's just Barb and Barb and uh, Phyllis. Phyllis. Uh, but she does see Billy's eye in the wall. Uh, creepy as fuck. Has to be a top three. Has to be yeah. a top three scene. Why is in, that in horror like, history? I feel like this movie does not get lumped into a lot of these fucking conversations. I I mean, it's weird to call a movie this influential underrated, but I do think it's underrated. I think I it's think, incredibly underrated. I think when you when you talk about the like the best of horror, it doesn't come up as often as it probably should. And that scene is iconic. That scene, right? Is that's what I'm saying. Like, it, like in iconic scenes, there's like a million things to think of. There's always the the stereotypical ones, but like, I feel like this one should be up there. Even like a fucking eye in the wall. Like, that's the fucking craziest shit. It's not even the wall. It's it's the door jam. It's yeah. The oh, that, door. oh, that's what it is. Oh, yeah, dude, that's fucking weird. Yeah, because he's behind the door. He's be like, yeah, Billy, Billy, and like you hear the voice, like, oh shit, he's in the room, and you see his eye. You're like, oh my god, he's right there. Yeah, that's dude. when she slams the she pushes the door back, and he starts screaming. Oh, dude, and his screams are insane, like actually unnerving. Yeah, dude, because he is like severely ill, like mentally ill. Yeah, right? he. And like, I don't think he's ever felt pain. Like I don't think he's ever been hit before. Right. Like that, like that, that's so unsettling to have the door and just start acting like a toddler. Yeah. He, he attacks Jess who, who's able to get away. She runs, goes to the basement, locks herself in and Billy just starts fucking screaming while he's bashing down the door. Whoever I, I, whichever voice actor did that of the five Bravo. That is like, the scariest fucking screams I've ever heard in my life. Like that dude is like that. I would have just fucking died. I would have fucking had a heart attack being like right now, you know, that would scare me to death. I'm not fighting that. I'm not, no, I'm not going to win. I'm not going to fucking win. I'd be terrified. That guy's way more fucking mad and scared or something than I am. Like that guy's on another fucking level. Like there's, I'm not going toe to toe with that thing. Um, Billy, Billy, so Billy's banging on it. Then he stops. We hear a door open and close upstairs, uh, inside the house. So Jess starts going a little bit further down into the basement, although she's also wary of that. And it is the scariest, uh, basement of all time. Right. Uh, then we hear Peter outside, like you mentioned, knocking on the window, uh, breaking the window, uh, and crawling in, uh, fucking Peter. Uh, and he is acting so fucking out of his gourd. It's it's overtly nice, right? Way crazier than Billy. Like, like, well, well, because at least Billy's crazy and acting crazy. Peter is crazy and being like, honey, what the fuck is wrong? Like getting in her fucking face. Like, what's the wrong slow Peter? walking being yeah. like, what happened? What are you doing down here? It's like you literally, the last thing you said to me was you're, I'm going to regret this. Dude, like, yeah. He's like, this. what, why do you look so scared? Like, dude, he's, it is threatening. Like you mentioned, like, dude, when you said that, I was like, oh fuck. Like 
he went in there to kill her. Like he broke into the basement to fucking kill her. Cause there's no reason he would know she was down there. So he was sneaking into the fucking house. Yeah. I, yes. That. Yes. So that's fucking nuts. <laughs> um, uh, the police show up um, back at the house. John Saxon shows up. Uh, the cop that was supposed to be monitoring the house has been killed. Throat slit. Throat slit. By who, though? Peter or Billy? Billy's been in the house the whole Great fucking question. time. It was. It, well. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we do know that, that Billy can like, leave coffin baby up and down. <laughs> Although, <laughs> uh, yeah, actually, Billy does. I mean, Billy, I think we're, I think we're under the impression that Billy actually did leave the house because we hear the door open and close while she's in the basement. But, yeah. But I mean, it could have been any door. But yeah, I think we we're supposed to believe he went outside. Yeah, I mean, it didn't even have to be that scene. Like, right. I, I, Billy, Billy's aware of what's going on because Billy's looking out the window. Remember that scene where he's yeah. freaking out rocking Claire? Like, he sees the cops showing up and all that. Yeah, Billy, and yeah, I guess you're right. Billy just kind of, I think, has access to everything. He can climb up the terrace climb and down. shit. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> climb up, climb down. Does it all. Walk. <laughs> Does it all. <laughs> this guy can do it all, man, I tell you. Uh, <laughs> uh <laughs> what an assessment uh the, 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 so the yeah the cop's dead and they uh uh the cop is dead we we hear just screaming which that's weird um we hear just screaming they break down the door uh we find peter murdered in jess's lap and jess is uh like in and out of consciousness i, I guess i would describe catatonic that as, catatonic yeah. yeah um and the cops are like, I knew it was that motherfucking Peter piece of shit. Um, and they've already decided. They've case closed. Uh, Peter has killed these people. Um, and they're like, they bring up Jess, put her in bed. And they're like, yeah, don't worry. She'll be sleeping for a few days. So, like, let's just leave her here. It'll be fine. And everyone's like, that sounds fucking like a fantastic idea (laughs) and uh everyone leaves and we have chris we have chris the boyfriend claire's boyfriend in the room like that guy's always there just supporting everyone that's that's been affected and we have uh claire's dad who he's not really like doing much like he's kind of concerned for jess and as soon as saxon is like let's like get out of here because the press is here like we gotta you know move claire's dad fucking passes out yeah which brings it all back. It's like, this guy has been through so much. Like, yeah. This, this is there's such a human element to this. The yeah. It really is. It's devastating. Yeah. Um, so Jess is asleep in the bed. Everyone leaves. We hear the creaking in the attic and we hear Agnes. It's me, Billy zoom out of the window. We see Claire in the suffocated bag. And uh, I love the actual like credit roll sequence where it's just outside and you hear the phone ringing over and over and you just see a cop on the front porch. Yes. Fucking love that. Now, here's a question. Here's a question. Ooh, here's a question. Here's a question. Uh, The phone is ringing. The phone is ringing at the end. Did he kill Jess? It is. Because he, he does he, he calls he does after, make those calls after he murders. So 
it's yeah yeah i'm gonna go with it i kind of like that i kind of like that yeah i mean i I mean he's a fucking idiot because he knows nobody's gonna answer that phone call (laughs) yeah (laughs) there's nobody left in the house just kill there but like that's probably what he would fucking do just sit there just call another number call a random (laughs) number call a 900 number remember calling those did you ever call those I I, I, I I did not do my, my dad would fucking murder me. Yeah, but no, also, but you, you probably, pay for probably because I'd blow up his spots. My mom would be like, who's calling all these 900 numbers? Yo, you know what's funny? I'm just like putting this all together right now. I for sure called them, but because you didn't get charged until you like, they needed your, oh no, they build your phone. But like, build your phone. You, but like, it would like take, like, you had to pick from a menu. You had to like be like, yes, I want this. Before it would start. It didn't just like kick off. Dude. And there was like. It was crazy. Because like the numbers were like. One nine hundred like boobs and shit. Like it was like very easy to like figure it all out. Um, But I was just like thinking like. Because back then you actually like checked your phone bill. And it like had every number you fucking called. Because like. Yeah. You're charged by the fucking minute. Which is fucking insane. Um, So they like even. Even though it was free. They still saw it. They definitely saw it. Yeah. Oh my god, my poor dad was probably like, <laughs> he's covering for you, probably under scrutiny. Like, <laughs> who <laughs> fucks calling this number? <laughs> Just fucking That's why I wouldn't do it. Like, I know my dad was probably calling those numbers. <laughs> well, my mom would never- be like, <laughs> my mom would question me on it. Like, I only called this one. <laughs> The other 1,000 were unaccounted for. <laughs> Your dad doing the same thing I do, just hanging up, thinking no one will know. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, fuck. 900 numbers. That's so fucking weird. Yeah, pre-internet days. Just listen to somebody like... Listen to somebody be like, a big big fuck. Like a bunch of billies. (laughs) Dude, let's make a Billy 900 number. You call him. Billy just talks nasty to you. (laughs) I bet you that would fucking be way more profitable than we think. Unfortunately, yeah. Not even from like horror fans. Like I think people would just like I think we'd find a I think we would find a a fucking customer base. I think we would find a real I I, I would base. want nothing listen, I, no kink shaming. You're into what you're yeah, into. I, I want nothing to do with that uh customer base. I'm just gonna say that. <laughs> listen to fucking Billy get, get your rocks off the Billy talking to you like that. You could choose Billy or Wesley Willis. <laughs> <laughs> Those are your two options. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of into it. <laughs> the two most insane options ever. Uh, that's it for this week. Uh, good episode. Good episode. I th- oh, would you recommend it? A thousand times. Yes, one of the best movies I've ever made. Movies. Yeah. Period. I'm glad we waited until episode what three hundred and fucking eleven. <laughs> fucking cover this the amount of like well-liked fun movies to talk about that we have not done over a, an eight-year span is, is honestly alarming we're, we're so stupid yeah we did the remake uh everyone's favorite uh i remember it was like one of the hardest movies for me to find and download for us it's that beloved uh, uh yeah no uh that's that's that um 
So I'm thinking maybe, oh no, not this week. Oh, so yeah, Sunday is Chris. Yeah, this is Christmas weekend. Sunday is Christmas, tough. so we're, we're not recording. Or are are we recording Friday or no? Um, I could possibly do. Friday. I mean, I don't. I don't care. I mean, I, if we take a week off, Saturday, Friday, I, Saturday, I can't. Saturday, I definitely. No, can't. yeah, um, if, possibly Friday. Yeah, no, no. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday are off the table. Um. And then maybe we do a live show that week, though. Uh, like yes, the twenty yes, sixth yes. through the thirtieth, we'll try and squeeze one in there. Um, okay. But if we do do an episode, it'll be dead end. Starring, which I'm sure you, when you hear this, it'll really make you clear your calendar. <laughs> Skip uh, Christmas Eve dinner. <laughs> Hey, you know what? On second thought, I'm available all weekend. Dead Dead End from 2003, starring uh, fucking Palmer, Leonard Paul, what's it, what was his name in that? For Ray Wise uh, and Lynn Shea. Yeah, no, count me in. <laughs> what a cast. 2003. People fucking love this movie. People fucking love this movie. I don't know what it's about. Um, it's fine. It'll be great. Uh and it's one of those weird French movies when French horror was like really picking up at that time. Mm. You know, um, high tension, high tension, martyrs, P two, all movies that we haven't done. Um, yes, yeah. <laughs> but don't worry, we're doing Dead End two thousand. We'll do a Dead End. <laughs> the, the it's Christmas themed. Like it's Christmas themed. It's Christmas themed. <laughs> They're going on Christmas vacation. Um, okay. And then January, holy cow, we start, Jesus Christ, we start that week, dude, that week we do the live show, we also have to start, we do Hellraiser 1 and 2. Um, that'll be, that'll, that'll be fun, actually. 1 and 2 will be a lot of fun. A lot of fun. I can't wait. But we got to do some prep. Um and then we do, you know, our it's serial killer for January, which will be very interesting. No, dude, I, I, I honestly like, I don't know what's gotten into me this past year, but like, I, I've loved digging in, uh, doing the research for the serial killer that we did for yeah, George Romero. So I'm excited to do it for this. That was fun. Yeah, this will be this will be really interesting because obviously it takes a turn. Uh, very clearly takes a turn. Uh, and like, I'm curious yeah, after, where after part two. <laughs> But I'm curious where like Clive Barker fall. That's always like my curiosity in these is where Clive Barker falls in line with them. You know what I mean? Uh, doing a franchise is fun in that sense where you're like, okay, so the creator did these things and then something happened. And like, did they just stop calling him to get some input <laughs> or like, or maybe he did have input. That's always even the the crazier part is when you're like, Clive didn't do that. And then you're like, no, Clive oh, fucking wrote everything. <laughs> Very proud of them. Uh, that's always the best. I don't know what I don't know what the case is with this, but uh, Hell World. I don't know if it sounds like a Clive Barker title. That's all I'm just gonna say. Um, so we got that, and then February we're doing some found footage. I'm excited about that. All right. Uh, what else do we have? Do we have anything to promote? I don't think so. I think we're good to go. Uh, Facebook.com slash I hate horror. I hate horror.com. Patreon.com slash I hate horror. If I didn't already say that. Uh, we have a new all documented, all true out on Patreon. It is about 
werewolves. Yes, and dogmen. And dogmen, not just werewolves. It's don't get them. Don't lump them together. It's disrespectful. It is disrespectful to the dogmen. They don't want to be called that, and I I understand why. I understand why. Uh, th- it's a good episode though. It's a good fucking episode. I was thinking about those episodes the other day. Those episodes, that show the other day. And I was like, oh, we might be the only, and I, I don't know, because I don't listen to them. Uh, but I know there's other shows that cover these things, right? Obviously. Eight million podcasts about everything. But I feel like we might be the only ones that are like, dude, at the end of every one, I'm like, this is real. Like, this is for sure real. Based on what you've told me, inconclusively real. Werewolves are real. Like, dude, that was, my, that was my statement at the end. I was, like, thinking about it. I was, like, I was 100% on board, like, with werewolves and dogmen, and I, I stand by it. And I feel there's like we nothing, were- Yeah, dude, there's nothing more fantastical than a fucking werewolf. Like, like okay, okay. I, I like to not break character when I'm doing ADAT, yeah. uh, and I like to be a believer. To tell me that werewolves are real is fucking idiotic. <laughs> the, the werewolves are not real. But... Whatever's happening in Michigan, I believe those people are seeing something. Whether it's a large animal or whatever the fuck it is, uh, something's going on near the shores of Lake Michigan I on think, the Wisconsin and the Michigan side. No, I think werewolves are real. I think they're just us, though. I don't think we turn. I don't think we turn into wolves. I just think we have something in our brain that can turn us into a werewolf. Oh, all right. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> this is what I'm saying, Joe. This is <laughs> this is what I'm saying. I don't think there's another show out there where some guy just listens to it all and at the end is like, no, that tracks. That all that all I'm hundred percent on board with fun. this information. <laughs> I don't know if there's been an episode where I've been like, that's re- fucking ridiculous. I'm like, yeah, that's plausible. Very plausible. <laughs> I love it, man. Hard to find holes in this story. I I'm hundred percent on board. <laughs> Werewolf, you say? Uh, yeah, no, it, it's a good episode. It's a good episode. I really like it. Um, and then that is it, guys. Uh, so let me wrap it. I do. I don't know why I can't end the shows anymore. Uh, that's it. Thank you all so much. Thank you to Joe and uh, for Joe. This is Sean. Stay weird. Thank you. Adios.